Welcome to Kicking It Local, the podcast all about the football community in South Australia. I'm your host, Johnny Kecko, and today, kicking it comfortably all thanks to Macron Sports Hub Adelaide, providing clubs and sports podcasters with the team where needs. MacronStoreAdelaide.com.au, the place to go to get your gear today. And in the lead up to the Women's World Cup this year, it's a huge year for women's football in Australia. I'll be interviewing guests that are involved in the women's game and also some involved in the Matilda setup. And today's guest was the head coach of the Matildas 20 years ago in the 2003 World Cup. And it's a pleasure to be chatting with him today. And he's also the under-13s coach, girls coach at Fulham United, Adrian Santrak. Thank you for joining me. Pleasure to be here, Johnny. Thank you for having me. It's 20 years since you coached the uh, the women in the World Cup. Who would have thought 20 years later you'll be uh, be able to go and witness the World Cup in our in our home uh, home stadiums? Right. Fair point, yeah. <laughs> I mean, 20 years, I, I had no idea, hadn't even thought about it. Yeah. So many times you've heard, you know, the World Cup 223, it's coming, mm. it's in our backyard, um, but I didn't even think about it. Uh, yeah, it's 20 years since uh, I was lucky enough to coach the girls in um, in the USA in the World Cup there. Yeah, it's come a long way as well, women's football. I want to talk, well, it's, yeah. it definitely has, hasn't it? It has, oh, it's in, incomparable, mm. massive, yeah. Well, I want to talk about that in depth a little bit later on. Um, there's heaps to get through, especially your own career playing and coaching. But the first point I want to talk about, your birthday, the 29th of June. It is. Where did yep. you get that from? Uh, don't worry where I got it from, but that's the <laughs> exact same as mine. We got the exact same oh, birthday. Really? There you go. Well done. Good Cantarian. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So not only have we got one thing in common, we love football, but we also are wish, born wish on the same birthday. day. Yeah. yeah, I'm about five times older than you, but, but no, that's cool. <laughs> There you go. So I think you were 36 when I was born, I reckon. So not too bad. We're not too far apart. Not too far apart. I wish I was 36 now. <laughs> 36 would be great. Uh, well, I'm close to 30 next year, so I'm getting old as well. But um, it's all good, mate. Well, at least we, uh, got, a, we got a celebration uh, in a couple of weeks' time as well. So look forward to that. But let's go back to uh, before I was born when you were playing in the NSL. <laughs> uh, West Adelaide, Adelaide City, um, you got to play for both of those clubs in the NSL. What was yeah. that time like? 170 games as well across that period. How was that? Good fun. Mm. Yeah, the good old what I call the good old days. You know, great memories. Yeah. You know, um, one of uh, only a handful of players I suppose that played for both teams, West yep. Adelaide and um, and Adelaide City. Oddly enough, I'd played for West Adelaide first. Uh, that was back in '82. Um, uh, I was on loan from uh, from Beer Road Woodville back then, um, and then during that year, I did my knee, did my ACL. Mm. Um, West LA decided not to take up the option, went back to Beograd. And then um, uh, I think uh, Zoran Matic, who was my coach at Beograd at the time, um, arranged because he, uh, he was clearly moving to Adelaide City yep. um, in, into the future and he arranged for me to move to Adelaide City quietly behind the scenes. Um, and he joined, that was in 85, and then um, he joined in 86 and away we went from there, championship in 86 and uh, some great, great times. Yep. Yeah, good memories. Mm. A lot of fun back then because it's changed a lot. Um, especially we talk about women's football's changed a lot, but men's football's changed heaps. Uh, the landscape of it as well, from what it was back then to where well, it they, is now. Yeah, they classed it as a semi-professional uh, league at the time. Mm. I mean, we trained four nights a week. You know, uh, our weekends when we played away every second weekend, um, we'd either travel interstate. It was Melbourne. We'd travel on the the Sunday morning. Yeah, play the game on Sunday afternoon on the plane straight back Sunday night. Monday morning back to work. You know, if you went to uh, to Sydney, we'd have a, a flight out on usually on the Saturday afternoon. Yeah, stay Saturday night, play Sunday, come back on um, Sunday night, and then off to work again. 
Jeez. you know, training four nights a week. Um, not uh, we didn't play in those days for money. Yeah, we got paid. We didn't get paid uh, particularly well at all. Uh, when you consider, you know, uh, the amount of hours that we would put in, and and certainly when you consider what mm. pe- players even in the appeal are being paid these days. Yeah, um, it was all playing for love. You committed yourself, and you did the most that you possibly could. You committed yourself, your time, your effort, your energies. You know, for the love of the game, for the passion. You know, a bit of pocket money on the side, but. Um, Fantastic times, and of course today, you know the equivalent of the the old NSL, you mm. know, is the A League, you know, a very professional uh, organisation. You know the way it's run. People might argue in in uh, with with some of the things in the way that the competition yeah. is and the strength or weakness of the competition. But yeah, very very different now. We had promotion relegation back then when you were playing. They're talking about bringing that back in. How do you find the that's going to change the landscape or improve maybe yeah. local? Well, play, it wasn't players. back then. It wasn't so much promotion and relegation. It was uh, there were teams that just dropped off the, the yeah. radar. A little bit different, yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it was a big financial burden for a lot of the clubs. You know, it wasn't professionally run. You know, you had your uh, your strong sponsors that would help. Some uh, clubs were obviously, in particular, mm. the eastern states were much stronger than financially stronger than than many others. But uh, you had clubs that uh, that couldn't sustain themselves financially. Uh, dropped off the uh, off the map, and then ultimately, more often than not, would be replaced by somebody else. Yep. Um, very different here. You know, it, it'll be interesting looking at the model. You know, being part of the Asian Confederation, the promotion relegation thing is mandatory. It needs to be in there. Yep. I know that uh, FFA are under a lot of pressure. Have been under a lot of pressure for years now about uh, having a, a promotion, true promotion relegation. Um, how it's going to um, come into being? How it's going to work? Uh, when it's going to happen or how it can happen over over time. You know, you bring in a second tier, which is great, but how is that second tier going to bridge the gap? Yeah. You know, and the second tier will be strong. And on one-off games, uh, they'll be very competitive with most of the A-League teams, um, as, you know, uh, will happen in, you know, State League, you know, playing against an NPL yeah. club team today. You know, one-off will be competitive when the conditions are right. Um how it's all going to come together, you know, the powers that be still need to make all that work mm. and, and sell it to uh, to the public. You know, there's a lot of energy and excitement, obviously, about about having a, a second tier and a mm. second division coming in. Um, lots of clubs are, are seriously interested in it, but there's a big difference in how those uh, those clubs can bridge <coughs> the gap financially and yeah. uh, in playing strength, you know, structures, management, the whole... Yeah, there's a lot thing. to it. Yeah. Well, one club that's very interested is your former club as well, Adelaide City. You uh, you left them and retired at 91 and just uh, not long after they won the championship. How was that uh, for you to miss out on that? Yeah, it was <laughs> probably had – I, had I stayed on that year, it, um, maybe they wouldn't have won it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that might have been the reason that they hadn't won it since 86. I don't know. It was for – for the guys, for the club, it was fantastic. Mm. You know, and then, of course, they went on uh, – I think it was a couple of years later, won again, I think it was in 92, 93. Yeah. Um, you know, great times, great memories, and you know it's it's been a a, a big, big club in South Australia for many, many years. Mm. You know, from pre NSL days, you know they had a, a bit of a hiccup when they did drop out of the NSL and and uh, and picked up their pieces. But it's a strong club, um, well supported, you know, well backed in many ways. You know, and and still ambitious, which is great. Mm. Well, how did you feel playing for the two rivals? Because the rivalry between them, it's they're trying to it's still almost there but it's not what it used to be but how did it feel from jumping ship oh it was it was difficult yeah um, 
difficult in that when um, when I did retire, when I retired from Adelaide City, uh, I was out for uh, six months or so and then West Adelaide actually came knocking on the door, what are you doing? They were in the state league at the time or in the local league um, with a realistic chance of getting back into the NSL. Mm. Um, so uh, they actually got me out of my doldrum and uh, pulled me back into uh, into playing, which I did in the local league. And then um, we got promoted back into uh, the NSL and West Adelaide uh, got themselves back in. And and uh, I played half the year in the, in the NSL. We played against Adelaide City and it was tough. It yep. was really hard playing against, um, you know, a group of guys, not only that I knew very, very well personally uh, as, uh, as great mates, but also knowing that, my time was done. They were far too quick, far too um, too strong for me, and that was, I think, for me probably the biggest thing was, you know, playing against uh, my old team. Yep. You know, where I still had strong feelings for, you know, the memories and everything that we achieved, while at the same time, um, you know, realizing that uh, I can't compete anymore. Mm. You know, um, you know, as hard as I tried, uh, they were still, you know, too slick, too quick as a unit, as individuals. You know, and you think, jeepers, you know. Um, Tough on both fronts. Yeah. Well, you got the tap on the shoulder to, to retire again. Uh, mm. yeah. <laughs> but this time you still stayed involved in soccer and you went and played with uh, – oh, sorry, coached – assistant coach with the West Adelaide – the West Adelaide Sharks as they were known back then. Yeah. How was that? With It was Raul Blanco. The, That's right. Yeah. And he that coached, was with Raul, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, that last year at West Adelaide, uh, the president of the club at the time, Harry Zacharianis, um, sadly, uh, tragically died. Wonderful, wonderful man, and, and a massive loss to uh, to the club. But he, a uh, bit of a visionary, he uh, pulled me aside one night and tapped me on the shoulder and said, "Mate, um, that's it. Mm. You know, you need to come sit up in the stand. It's it's enough." <laughs> you know, um, and I think he's uh, he, he saw saw the embarrassment that I was putting myself through. <laughs> um, so uh, I did. I retired, but at the end of the year, um, I wasn't thinking about coaching. I didn't really know what I was going to be doing um, other than work. Yeah, you know, just uh, focusing on those things, and then I, out of the blue, I got a phone call from Raul Blanco, uh, who had been appointed the new coach at West Adelaide. Uh, part of the um, the strength of the future that West mm. Adelaide were looking at about how they could go move forward. They uh, they brought Raul over from Sydney. Um, he talked me into uh, coming into coaching as his assistant. Yeah, I was there for four years, which was uh, we had a fantastic time, you know, uh, with Raul and. It's interesting with the, when you look at coaching styles. You know, I had Zoran Matic as my coach for 10 years. Yep. Um, Zoran, very tactical, defence orientated, playing on the break, um, but in a very, very structured uh, way and a very disciplined way of doing things. Rao was a lot more flamboyant, very South American, uh, very attack-minded, very creative, uh, encouraging players to play with flair. Yep. Uh, almost the exact opposite of the way Zoran would operate. And... You know, being involved in uh, in those games and then playing in the derby games, West Adelaide and Adelaide City, you know, they were massive, massive occasions. I think Adelaide always came alive in those games. Yeah. And simply because of the, the, the two contrasting styles, the way that Raul played and the way Zoran mm. played at Adelaide City, um, you know, the two, game, the two teams coming together created just a, a massive entertainment of, of football. You know, I don't think there was ever a, a game that – that uh, you'd walk away from the spectator would walk away and say, oh, "What a, you know, it's a, a rubbish game." You know, Adelaide City won the vast majority of them. I think out of twenty or twenty-one derby games, I think City won nineteen. Yep. But I would think in every one of those games, West Adelaide supporters would would have walked away 
talking about the game and oh what about this and we could have if we scored this and we you know they you know the the entertainment value was huge they, mm. were, they were great times well Raul went away and uh went and coached the mm. Ollie Roos um was it Ollie Roos back then yeah it was the yeah. Ollie Roos he coached that's yes. right yeah so you went for that you ended up taking the role uh which you were in for two years as a head coach what was it like stepping up and uh taking over as a head coach that's your first yeah. opportunity to do so yeah yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was great. The um, the years working with Raul, it's, it's again, it's interesting uh, what you learn about yourself. Um, you know, taking over from Raul, I felt I was ready mm. to uh, to take over as uh, as the head coach, um, implement my ideas, and and a lot of that was fine. Um, but there's a lot more to coaching than than purely working with the players on the on the park, yeah. um, and that's the stuff that I started to realise more and more. You know, while Rao was the uh, the head coach and I was Rao's assistant, uh, an assistant's role was very different than, than the head coach's role. You know, the head coach is still the one who's uh, very close to the player, does the, the to the player's player management, the level of discipline um, and the level of interaction with the players outside of the game, you know, outside of the training pitch, you know, in personal life and those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, you know, when I took over from Rao, you know, I was still working. You know, I had my own business that I was uh, running with building and electrical work that I was doing. Not a lot of time to stay in touch with players, not a lot of time to do any uh, individual or group sessions during the, the day. So we'd have get together at night time, we'd have our training sessions, come for it together for the games. But the amount of um, individual player management, team management that needed to happen, um, you know, I wasn't really aware of and didn't start to wake up to until down the track. And I thought, well, oh, jeepers, you know, we're not going so well. I need to be talking to these people. Well, how am I going to find the, the time to do all of that? So it was, it was a really good time for, um, for me in terms of doing the coaching, being involved in the game, being involved in the, the team environment. You can't play, but you can coach. So this is great. You know, you're still right smack yep. in the middle of, of the entertainment on the, on the field and having a, an influence on what was happening. While the results were going well, then it's a fantastic um, environment, fantastic feeling. When results are not going well, you know, it's um, it's different altogether. Mm. You know, and that's where, you know, we had a couple of spells in there that um, uh, were really, really tough. You know, I think the first year, I mean, my first game as, uh, as coach, we played Newcastle in uh, in Newcastle against John Kuzmina. Cosie yep. was coaching that game. You know, we were, um, I think from memory it was 1-0, uh, it might have been 0-0 at halftime. Uh, very humid uh, game, I remember the, Players coming in at half time and they they looked tight, but you know it was very humid. The grass was long, it was thick, um, but they'd done a, a great job. And I think it was nil nil at half time. And pretty sure early in the second half we went one nil up, and you know this coaching gig is easy. You know I'm yeah. sitting there thinking, guys are going great. This is really good. You know I think we were maybe one nil up for a few minutes, and 20 minutes later we were six one down. Mm. You know it was uh, six shots, six goals, everything that went forward, bang 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 bang, and then. Um, it could have been seven, the easiest one of the lot they missed, and that was it. You know, the goal scoring stopped, and suddenly, you know, you sit there scratching your head, thinking, "Hang on, you mm. know, you can't." There's no time to react. There's no time to see anything, um, to to analyze or assess what's actually going on. Um, we walked off the park. We lost six one. First game in the NSL. I thought, "My God, this is <laughs> this is not as easy as I thought it was." You know, and then we uh, we recovered. We ended up winning you know, a few more games, and. Um, Good times, good memories, but um, um, coaching is uh, is interesting. 
Yeah. You know, today in the professional world, um, you know, communication, player management, all those sorts of things, you've got a network of people who are doing so much more uh, within the club and uh, and with the coach. Mm. Um, but you've also got a full-time program that enables you to spend as much time as you need to spend with uh, with players. Yeah. You know, back in those days, it was a little bit different. But good, good days. Yeah, well, as a coach, you got to coach some great players, but you also coached some players that have gone on to be great coaches as well. In our local game, we've got Paul Pezos, who's doing great things at Adelaide City. Yeah. But there's also... Um, uh, Ross Aloisi and Mark Rosali, another local coach, um, and Joel Porter, another local coach as well. They've all had different careers, but someone like Ross Aloisi is now coaching at Brisbane Raw, um, mm. when and won the championship in Japan under Kevin Musket. So these play, uh, these uh, players that you had now going on to be great coaches, how's that feel seeing that and watching their style and the way they're coaching these days? Um, it's 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 pleasing just seeing players. Stay in the game. Yeah, you know it would be great if more and more and more players, past players, would stay in the game. Um, Zoran Matic, you know, when you consider um, his coaching days, the number of players that he coached that went on into coaching. You know, uh, I was there. Joe Mullen was there. Paul Shelby has done some. Damien Murray's done some. Emil um, Flanders, Bugsy Niskelhus, uh, Johnny Niskelhus has done. Johnny Perrin, who played with Zoran. There's a uh, a large, large number of players that had been involved with Zoran who went on into coaching, whether yeah. it was Zoran's influence or whether it was just the love that those players had. You know, you could argue, I don't know. But yep. um, much the same with uh, with these guys. Um, you know, Ross and uh, and Brazza, you know, both played. They both played with Adelaide City and West Adelaide. Um, I had them both at, uh, at West Adelaide and actually played with Mark in that last year when I got the tap on the shoulder. <laughs> um yeah, you know, and it's it's fantastic seeing these guys go on with the game. Joel, uh, in that last year that West Adelaide was still alive before it was uh, liquidated, and before he went on over overseas and played in uh, in England as well. Mm. You know, um, there are other players who uh, who I was fortunate to coach as well that went on into into coaching. I think most of them are retired now because they're all <laughs> we're all old. <laughs> but um, um, it is it's pleasing that players yeah. stay in the game that uh, they they maintain they hold that love for the game that want to to give back to the game. Mm. What about Paul Pezos? Um, Pezos, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a youngster, a little bit wayward at times, <laughs> but such a talented kid. He's he's someone that's got the potential to pl- uh, coach in the A League um, or even in the second division. Yeah. Um, how how do you see the way he's Play because it's very dominant. The the, the the style they were playing last year, they were very dominant in uh, in the league. Mm. Um, and they came up against Adelaide United, which was a big test for them, and they almost knocked them out. So of the Australia Cup, mm. how do you, how does that feel to see someone like that um, now well, going Paul, on to yeah. coach? Paul's done so well, you know, because it's not just uh, what he did at Adelaide City. You know, uh, he was successful with Adelaide City's women's team. Yep, he was successful at Adelaide United. Mm. Uh, surprised that uh, when he did actually leave Adelaide United, um, you know, being in that environment. Yeah. But he knows himself why he left. You know, as an outsider looking in, you you look at you think, wow, you're involved in yeah in an A League club. You're involved in that environment um, uh, with the coaches that were around him at the mm. time. You think, mm, you know, um, you know, you don't want to be leaving that. But yeah, obviously things weren't quite right for him to to make that move. But then. Um, Coming back and coaching Adelaide City, he's done such a fantastic job. You know, um, um, will he get an opportunity in the A League? It's it's mm. tough. It's very competitive, uh, very hard. Your networking has to be strong. Your manager, agent, whoever you've got uh, working for him uh, to get get up there. I hope he does get an opportunity. 
Um, you don't know what you can do until you provide that opportunity. He needs to keep putting the yards on the board. One thing is that uh, is really clear is that nobody is given an opportunity. Mm. You know, you have to earn and earn and earn, do all the hard yards, and that opportunity may may not come, but he's doing all the right things in the, in the sense he's involved. He's very successful, you know, uh, continues to be successful. I'm assuming he's um, uh, evolving himself. You know, he's, uh, he's developing himself in his, um, his coaching style, his people management style, all those sorts of things. Um, and hopefully an opportunity mm. will come for him. Let's hope so. And also with Joel Porto, we talk about the, the um, Paul Pezos coaching in the women's uh, team as well. Joel Porter's in the WNPL, got Flinders United, a team that was in the WSL that was formed only a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, he went from coaching in the local divisions, uh, women's div, I can't remember exactly which one it was, but helping there. And he's made his way up into the coaching at WSL and then get them into WNPL. Mm. So a coach, someone of his caliber, who's a soccerer, um, he's played for some big clubs, but how good is it to see someone like that being involved in the game? Like you said, it's good to see players staying involved in the game, but yeah. making an impact like that to a club that's uh, fairly new and doing something great for the women's game as well. Yeah. And it's pleasing that it is in the w women's game. Mm. You know, Joel with his background, you know, with his pedigree, um, you know, could align himself as most players do into into the male side of the yeah. game. You know, find the male club. He's, he's found um, an area of enjoyment in the female side in the women's game, which is great. Um, being involved at uh, Flinders, you know, the amalgamation of two clubs with uh, with Flinders and with Cumberland, mm. you know, um, he's on the ground floor of uh, a really exciting uh, future with, with yeah. that club. And who knows? I don't know what his ambitions are, whether, you know, he wants to continue on in the women's game. Will he want to continue on perhaps, um, you know, does the, the, uh, the women's A-League, you know, uh, mm. provide any uh, incentive for him or not? But... Um, yeah, it, it is fantastic that he's involved and he's chosen that <coughs> pathway. Well, with, with yourself talking about opportunities and stuff like that, you ended up leaving West Adelaide, but you got an opportunity to go coach Yoli Roos under um, Raul Blanco once again. Was it under? It was it under was, Raul. Yeah. yeah. How well, was how was that to, to go and do something different and coach an, a national team? Yeah, that was... Um, yeah, that was special. Yeah. Um, I was still the West Adelaide coach. Uh, West Adelaide was still in, um, still functioning, just um, when uh, when Rao got in touch and uh, and I was invited to to come on board as the um, uh, Ollie Roos assistant coach. Um, that actually happened, um, I reckon, through ninety seven, ninety eight. It was um, the Ollie Roos came together for three games against Brazil. They had one game in Perth, one in uh, one in Adelaide, another game I think it was in Melbourne or Sydney. Um, and Raoul invited me on board for those three games to start off with, and that was a great experience. You know, just being involved with that to that group of Oliers, and there were several players within that group who ultimately were part of the 2006 the Golden Generation. Yep. You know, when you think of people like Lucas Neil, Brad Emerton, Jason Chalina, Vince Grella, you know, uh, that ilk, and then you know, um, that was the beginning of their development you know, mm. for that group of players. So that was uh, that was great, and of course when. Um, uh, West Adelaide were liquidated. Um, you know, by then it had already been ratified that I was going to be the uh, the assistant coach for uh, for the Oli Roos coming into Sydney Olympics, which uh, which was great. And then you know we had several camps uh, at different times, um, you know, a few tours overseas as part of that preparation. And um, 
Absolutely amazing feeling mm. representing you, your country. I didn't get to play for the Socceroos. I didn't represent my my country um, as a player. Yep. Um, the feeling and the depth of feeling um, standing uh, prior to a game with the national anthem going. Yeah. Um, whether it was a friendly game, um, you know, the first game that uh, that happened in you know, against Brazil in Perth, uh, it was a big crowd there, and just standing there, just looking around the stadium and looking at the Australian flag. You know, uh, while the national anthem was going on, was uh, you know that's something I'll never forget. You know, yeah. the emotion that was attached to that, the the goosebumps, the 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 feeling, the adrenaline, the uh, it's just a and each time you know national anthem is being played, you know we're coming into a game and and mm. you know coming into the uh, even the Olympic Games, first game against Italy in Melbourne. Yeah, you know ninety thousand people at the MCG and the, and our national anthem is being played. Um, yeah, absolutely amazing. That's unreal because yeah. I know what it feels like as a fan sitting in the stands. I remember for the Asia, um, Asian Cup with the Socceroos playing South Korea mm. in, in um, Suncorp Stadium, watching the flag and just being a part of it as a fan was unreal. The adrenaline mm. for that. So I can only imagine what it is like a co- as a coach. Um, how do you focus though with that? Because uh, having that feeling and uh, knowing the excitement, the adrenaline, or does it just kick in once a national anthem finishes? Bang, into work Yeah, mode. There's, there's a point where... You know the game takes over. Yeah. You know, um, you know, and it's just funny how your your mentality is, your your mindset as you you're coming in. Because I I remember you know while national anthem was going on, I, and I I literally pinched myself. Yeah. You know, I looked around the stadium, looked behind me, looked all around, looked at um, at what I could see. You know, um, the atmosphere. You know how electric it was. So yeah. I looked across our bench. You know, and all the the players sitting on the ball standing at that moment, you know, with Raul and Les next to me and um, looking around, I thought, you know, it's just, is this actually, can this be real? Mm. Can this actually be happening? You <laughs> know, amazing. and then, you know, the national anthem stops, you know, the referee blows the whistle, calls the captains in and it's game on. Yeah. It was game on. Work and, mode. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, how do you soak those moments in? Because we all forget to do that sometimes. We do something, think it's being like, oh, you just live in the, Sometimes we don't live in the moment, especially with phones these days. People are stuck in in on that yeah. and don't really live in the moment. But what are some ways, like to, for you, to to remember? Do you just sit there and just looking around? Is that what you do? Because I know some people, um, depending on their role, they sometimes they get there early and just go for a walk in the middle of the pitch, just to really soak in the atmosphere um, and just live in that moment, so, so you can remember it because it's not always mm. going to be there. It's um it's an interesting because I think it might be a little bit of age as well mm. you know uh, as it came into it when um I remember when we played at um the the grand final in Sydney I thought we had the first league in Adelaide then we yeah. had the grand final in, in 1986 and we'd won the final and if um if anyone had asked me you know how many people were there of our supporters or um you know <coughs> what were they doing when the final whistle went I wouldn't have a clue you know it was just euphoria in amongst us, yep. you know, the group of players and uh, didn't stop for a second to take in, you know, what we were doing, what, you know, have a look around, you see, you know, what you've actually achieved, you know, look at the stadium, you know, look at where, mm. where did the ball end up when, uh, when the, when the whistle went, you know, who had the ball? I wouldn't have a clue. I just know the whistle went and, and we won this thing, yeah. you know, um, but as, as time has gone on, um, you know, I've got, a greater awareness, you know, of those sorts of things. And I try um, where I can, you know, if I'm in, in a circumstance where, you know, a player, you know, scores his or her first goal for, for for a club or for that team, you know, 
try and get them to stop just for a second yeah. and just just take it have a look around you you know have a look where are your parents where you know yeah just try and remember this day this is a special moment you know we don't realize i mean i can't remember when i scored my first goal yeah you know i can remember when i conceded my first <laughs> goal or my first own goal you know but yeah. um you know there's a lot of those those moments that uh, mm. that happen in life will happen once and when they happen once it's a they're special moments yeah we should try and have a way or have a voice that that um, helps us to to hold on to that yeah you know um where it comes from how it happens don't know well yeah because the reason why i said because when I got to uh, a little bit different, I'm not a player, but uh, got to MC for LA United. Soaking that in, I, st- uh, I got told to keep the the, um, the team sheet. So I've got that still, the first team sheet that I got to do at Cooper Stadium, yeah. um, LA United and Sydney FC. So I remember that. But I still, because it was it was thrown at me last minute, I didn't really get to soak it in as much as I wish I could. But it's unreal, like, to those moments, trying to remember them. And it's, it's amazing in the moment, you just there. You don't really get to soak it in as much, um, but yeah, everyone has their own techniques, and it's just it's good to yeah to be able to do that and just have something to remember. Yeah, it's um, I mean we're we're emotional people. Yeah, you know, it's you know it's what it is that we feel in that particular moment. Whether mm. we're able to control that that part of the emotion that makes us go wild. Yeah, you know, still feel have the feeling. You know, you can still feel. You know, whether it be the the energy, the adrenaline, the um, the the want, the almost uh, feeling that you want to cry, you know, because you're so proud or so mm. happy or, you know, but all of that you want to take and soak in and try and catch capture yeah. everything that's happening around you without letting yourself go wild. Yeah, how you do that, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't well, know. I know I know better now. Yeah. Well, if I was yeah, same as same as yeah, I would have done it a little bit different. But I did look up when I when Craig Goodwin scored, and I looked up at the crowd. I could hear them all cheering. cheering. Yeah. I'm like, "Geez, I'm here. Yeah. It's unreal. It's an unreal atmosphere. I can only imagine what it's like as a player being in the middle of the pitch with that crowd around you, fourteen thousand, fifteen thousand people, mm. um, and having to play with that and just standing there on the sidelines listening to it was unreal and just um, looking around, just witnessing yeah. a full stadium. Yeah. It's it's amazing, and we're going to see a packed stadium again for the World Cup, which is, which is unreal. Very special for for all those players who get to experience mm. anything like that. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny thing. We, the um, state team, South Australian state team, went to a tournament in in India of all places in 1985, and it was called the the DCM Cup that we played in Delhi Cotton Mills. You know, we got <laughs> together for state team. They told us about. Yep. Um, you know, we're, we're going to a prestigious tournament. You know, they didn't tell us where we were going. We had to go through the trial process. We actually trained at, old, at Enfield Victoria's ground for several um, sessions until uh, they selected the final team. When they've uh, called us in and selected the team and said, okay, well, you're, you're going to the DCM tournament. The what? DCM tournament in India. And we thought they were taking the mickey out of us. The, what? <laughs> we're going to India. Everyone was thinking, well, it's... Prestige, we're going to go to Germany, we're going to England, we're going to the state teams. We're going to where? Who goes? Nobody goes to India. It was the most fascinating, most brilliant place ever. But we played the um, the game. We had to um, – we played against, I think it was the Bank of Seoul. We had to um, to uh, win or draw, I think it was uh, maybe win the game to get through the <coughs> to the finals, the semi-final yeah. and final. And it was nil-nil. That They were awesome. They were an amazing team. Um Nutmegging us, we could barely see the ball. You know, they were just such a, a different level. But we hung in there, nil, 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 nil. We ended up, we got a free kick, not, um, I don't know, 30 metres from goals, whatever it was that I scored from. And 
Joe Janko. That's who everyone knows, our, our yep. legend photographer. <laughs> Joe was right next to the post. And he was uh, he was sitting there. I, I could see him beforehand with, uh, with his camera all set up. And, you know, I've taken the free kick and it's, it's swerved around. Somehow it's, it's gone in um, brilliant. The crowd absolutely went berserk. I can't remember a thing about it. Yep. It, uh, I can, it's just a complete daze. All I can remember was scoring. Yep. And then I remember being in the change rooms after the game with uh, people putting their, their Indian supporters, putting their hands through the, the windows, <laughs> wanting me to sign uh, sign their money for good luck and all this sort of They were putting money. I thought wow. I was looking, what are they giving me money for? <laughs> and they, they just wanted signatures. Yeah. You know, sign, sign, give it back to them so they would they would get some luck. And I said to Joe after the game, did you get the get the get a photo yeah. of it? Mate, I could see it was going in. I dropped my camera and I ran. I couldn't remember a thing about it. You know, we talk about those moments. Yeah. You know, um, was he excited? Yeah, I. <laughs> he forgot his job. Yeah, he got excited. That's everyone great. Got excited. None of it. I, I. Everything was a complete blank. Yeah. From, for the rest of that game, and, but you lived the moment. Yeah, mm. yeah, we do. And the the that excitement, that energy, that adrenaline when it when it hits yeah. you in those circumstances. And for these girls uh, coming in the World Cup, and hopefully the Matildas do uh, brilliantly well, and I hope they have many many moments like that where, you know, um, they've got this the whole stadium on their feet and mm. they don't remember what they what it was that they did so well over and win. Well, that's all for part one of my chat with Adrian Sandtrack. Part two out soon. Here's a quick snippet of what to expect. It was the fittest group of players that, that had ever been put together. We had a couple of little uh, golden gems that um, little dark secrets that um, other countries weren't ready for. Um, Lisa Devano was one of them. Yep. You know, Lisa... Um, was identified through our our youth teams, um, through the national youth team at the time, and uh, we brought her into our camps and started to uh, to introduce her into our our type of football. Very raw yeah. kid, very um, um, interesting upbringing that Lisa had, but um, amazing talent. So raw, so so unpredictable, and so explosive. That's all from Adrian Sandtrack, the former Matildas coach and current under 13 skills coach at Fulham United. Make sure you subscribe to Kicking It Local wherever you get your podcasts so you can get a taste of the SA football community. Plus, follow at Kicking It Local SA on Instagram and Twitter so you don't miss any of the action. See you soon.